Good morning. I'm Pastor Nancy. Welcome to worship. I'm so glad that each one of you is here today. Uh, Pastor Kyle um, had scheduled the week off this past week because of his boy's school schedule, and he ended up, it, it's very providential because his mom had surgery Thursday, as Kevin shared with you, and the word that we're getting is she's done really, really well and continues to do well, so he's grateful for your prayers. He would ask you to continue to pray for her. Um, and as we begin this time of the message, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. God, I pray that you would speak to me, through me, if necessary, in spite of me, but always, always beyond me, so that the truth of your word might not be hid. Amen. I want you to think about a time when you were at the very beginning of something. Maybe it was a beginning of a marriage. Maybe it was the birth of a child. Maybe it was going away to college or starting middle school or starting high school. Maybe it was starting a new job in a new city. Maybe it was just a move in general. I want you to think about how you felt in the midst of that, what was going on in your life. Uh, there's usually, when we're looking at starting something new, there's usually some excitement and some enthusiasm, some energy toward that. Um, when we start something new, but sometimes there can be challenges. There can be struggles. There can be anxiety as well. And we are in the um, book called The Story. We're working our way through the Bible, and we're at the point where we are beginning the new church. We're in the book of Acts today. We read chapter 28 from The Story by Randy Frazee, and I want you to just take a look at the summary video to help remind you of what you read this week. One day after his resurrection, while Jesus was eating a meal with his disciples, he told them that they would soon be given power to take his message all over the world. They would be given the Holy Spirit of God, he said. After he said this, Jesus flew up into the sky right in front of them, and they did not see him again. So the disciples waited and prayed. Ten days later, they were gathered and a sound like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house. They looked around and saw what looked like tongues of fire dancing above each of them. They all began to speak in different languages, causing such a commotion that a crowd gathered to see what was going on. Someone accused them of being drunk, so Peter stood up to say something. He told them that they were not drunk, but that God had given them the power of his spirit. He recounted the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and told the people to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. That day, 3,000 people believed what he said and became followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus ate meals and prayed together almost every day. Amazing things continued to happen. People were being healed. Others were selling their possessions and giving their money to the poor. The number of people who joined them just kept growing and growing. The disciples, now called apostles, began teaching in the Jewish temples. This angered the religious leaders. Several times they beat up the apostles and threw them in jail. One religious leader in particular, named Saul, was determined to destroy this new movement of Jesus' followers. So he went from house to house in the region and arrested those claiming to follow Jesus. Then one day, 
while Saul was walking down the street. A bright light from the sky flashed. As he fell to the ground, he heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus commanded Saul to get up and go to the city of Damascus. Saul got up, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. With some help, Saul traveled to Damascus, where he met a man named Ananias. Ananias placed his hands on Saul, and something sort of like scales fell from his eyes. Suddenly, he could see again. Ananias told him that Jesus had orchestrated all of this so Saul could receive the Holy Spirit. This experience completely changed Saul's life. He became a follower of Jesus. Soon, Saul would set out on an extraordinary journey to tell others about Jesus. We enter the story at the beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to look at some scripture there. If you want to pull out your phones or your tablets, we'll start in Acts. We'll move through three of the chapters, but we'll be in the first and the second chapter to begin with. And Acts is a continuation of Luke's gospel. We believe that the same person who wrote Luke continued the story in Acts to tell us about the beginning of the, of the church. But I want to set a little bit of context for you. I want you to imagine being a part of this band of followers of Jesus in that time and all that they had been through. I mean, I think it has to have been overwhelming for them, all that they had experienced. They left jobs. They left family because they so believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior that God had been promising for so very long. So they left all of that to follow him. They followed him for three years. They watched him teach. They watched him interact with people. They watched him heal. And they were even more convinced that this is who God has sent to save our people. And then he was arrested. He was beaten. He was tried. He was crucified. Can you imagine going from the high of believing this man is the Messiah to then the low of he's gone? Now what do we do? What do we do with our lives? The good news is they only had to wait a couple of days because Sunday came. And when they went to the tomb, Jesus wasn't there. He had risen. He had come back to life. And he would spend the next 40 days with them, walking with them, reminding them of what he had taught them, teaching them, sharing with them, showing them things. And one of the things that he told them, you'll find it in the, the very first chapter of Acts, verse 9, one of the things that he told them was that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to, to be with them. And this is what what he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. I'm gonna give you what you need. The Holy Spirit's gonna give you what you need to do the work to be my witness, to share what has happened um, to me and what, how I have changed your life. First of all, we'll start in Jerusalem. That's kind of like starting in Charlotte. And then I want you to remember that there's beyond Jerusalem. So it'd be like us going to Pineville or Huntersville or some of those places, going to Judea and Samaria. And then you're going to share this news to the ends of the world. Everybody is going to know this. And so first he sends them to Jerusalem uh, because 
there's going to be a festival in Jerusalem, a festival called Pentecost. It comes 50 days after Passover. It's a celebration of the harvest. People gather there. Crowds come in. Jerusalem is just packed during this festival uh, because they come from all over. They want to be at the temple. They want to sacrifice. They want to celebrate. They want to say, thank you, God, for all that you've done for me and my harvest this year. And you know, it's really interesting because for once the followers of Jesus did what he asked them to do. They actually stayed in Jerusalem. They went to an upper room and they waited. They waited for this promised Holy Spirit. Now, I have no idea what they were expecting. I don't know what I would expect if that's what Jesus said for me to do. But we find out in the second chapter of Acts, the first through the third verses, exactly what that was like. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. I love the image in the video of the flames of fire and the glow that came off of that. So with the howling of a fierce wind, the Holy Spirit blew through the room where they were. Wind is a sign of God's presence. Think back to the creation story when the wind blew over the earth and created this planet that we live on. Think back to when the Hebrew slaves were fleeing Egypt and they got to the Red Sea and they couldn't get across and a wind blew to part the waters for them to be able to walk through. God was present with them in that. And fire is a sign of God's presence as well. Uh, the flame on their head was a sign that God was with them. And we remember that flaming bush, the burning bush that Moses saw in the, in the uh, wilderness when God was calling him to go lead those Hebrew slaves out of slavery. And we remember when they wandered through the wilderness, how did God guide them? Well, it was a cloud by day, but by night it was a fiery pillar, God's presence with them. So these men would know that wind and fire were a sign that this was from God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been in that room, I would have been terrified. I would have been so frightened. I think I would have just hunkered down and not known what to do. But the spirit that came to them empowered them. It made them bold. It made them so bold. How bold did it make them? Well, Peter went out and preached this amazing sermon. Amazing sermon to these crowds that were gathered at Pentecost for the celebration of the harvest. And when he finished, 3,000 of those people decided that they wanted to follow Jesus. 3,000. That was the beginning of the church as we know it, the very beginning. How did they do church? Do you think they thought, oh, wow, we can be a 3,000-member megachurch. Let's go find a big building, gather everybody together. We'll come once a week and let the preacher preach to us. That's not how they did church. There were probably hundreds of small churches that met house churches, that met in people's homes. They gathered together. Um, they did life together. The Holy Spirit empowered them to be the church. And we read in the, the end of that second chapter of Acts, starting at verse 42, we read what that looks like. We get a little snapshot of what that looked and felt like. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. So they were taught. They would sit together and they would be taught. They, would, they were devoted to the community. It wasn't just about them. They reached out to the community around them. They shared meals together. 
There's a fellowship that we experience with people when we break bread with them, when we sit down to a meal with them that you don't get when you're just meeting, when you're just crossing paths. And they prayed together. The power of prayer held them together as well. And then a sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. They saw the work that God was doing through these followers, and they were in awe. They were amazed. They were just fired up. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. They were generous. They didn't hold tight to their own things, but they shared with others around them. They were a generous people. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. I'm so grateful that they shared it with simplicity because I always worry when I have people over to my house to eat, is it good enough food? Is it fancy enough? So it's nice to know that it's okay for it to be simple, that simplicity is accepted. They praised God and they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness. to everyone. They showed all these people what God looked like. And then the people said, wow, we want to be a part of that. We don't want to miss out on that. We will join you. We want to follow you. We like what we see. So Peter and John, who were in this original group of followers of Jesus, they went up to the temple for a time of traditional prayer. They were still worshiping at the temple. They weren't quite sure what, what this new thing was going to look like. So they continued to be faithful Jews while they were living into what would come to be Christianity. So they go up for this time of prayer, and they go through this gate that's called the beautiful gate. And it was kind of the main entrance, one of the main entrances to the temple. And there was a man there who was disabled. He was not able to walk. And his friends would bring him and put him by this gate. They knew there would be a lot of traffic there. And he would, he would beg. He would ask people to give him money. And that was how he survived. That was how he lived his life. It's the way he made a living. And Peter and John basically say to him, we don't, we don't have money, but we'll give you what we do have. And what they gave him was healing. They called on the name of Jesus and they healed that man. They pulled him up and he was able to walk. He was able to walk. And the people who saw that happen, the people who witnessed that, were more than willing to hear the good news about Jesus. And they were more than willing to become a part of this group of followers of Jesus Christ. They were so um, amazed and in awe of what was happening. But you have to understand that it wasn't all, all positive and all good things happening to these people who chose to follow Jesus Christ. And it's a good thing that the Spirit made them bold because when Peter and John would go out and preach and heal, it made the authorities angry. The Jewish leaders didn't believe that Jesus was the promised one, the Savior, the Messiah. They didn't believe that. And anybody who taught that they would throw in jail. So Peter and um, John ended up, ended up in jail, and they were, they were told, stop preaching. you got to stop this. Stop healing. Don't do this anymore. And Peter and John said, we're not stopping. We're not going to stop this. We're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. We can't help but do this. The Holy Spirit empowered them to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you remember that Jesus said, he wanted those followers to be witnesses beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And there was a disciple, Philip, who went to Samaria 
because he wanted to share the good news there. And he was on his way back to Jerusalem and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit guided him to go a way that he wouldn't normally go, to go the Gaza Road. And that was kind of through a desert. It wasn't the, the main route back to Jerusalem. And on his way there, God had guided him there so that he could cross paths with a man who was a foreigner. He was from Ethiopia. He was uh, one of the servants of the queen of Ethiopia. And he's sitting in his carriage and he's trying to make sense of a passage that he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And it doesn't make any sense to him. And Philip sees that he's struggling with this and he asks him about it and they have a conversation. And Philip is able to explain to him that this passage in Isaiah was foretelling the coming of Jesus. It's the suffering servant image that we know in Isaiah that foretells Jesus coming. And so Philip, that just opened the door for Philip to share with him about Jesus Christ. And this Ethiopian man is so excited to hear about it. They're riding on down the road a little ways and they come to a body of water. And the Ethiopian man says, well, what's to keep me from being baptized? What would prohibit me from being baptized? And so Philip baptized him then and there, washed him clean of his sins, sent him on to Ethiopia to share the good news in Ethiopia. There's the beginning of the ends of the earth. These people were on fire to share the message of the life of Jesus Christ and what it had done for them, what it meant to them. This is how the church began. It wasn't about a building. It wasn't about an organization. They were the church. They were the church. Meeting in people's homes, sharing together, praying together, helping out those who needed to be helped. That sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Kind of, it, it's like, oh, I want to be a part of that too. You know, I'd like to be a part of that. I want you to hear, though, I want you to hear the difference from how we often think of church. It's important to hear that Peter and John went out to preach the word. They didn't come in to do it. They went out to preach the word. They went out to heal people. They didn't expect people to come to them. They went out to meet the people where they were. When they came together, when they gathered as followers together, it was to renew themselves. It was to be with others, to hear the word, to nurture each other, to pray with each other, to prepare themselves to go out and share. It wasn't about coming in. It was about going out. And it wasn't always easy. There was resistance, and those same Jewish leaders that had put John and Peter in jail, they were on to the new followers of Jesus as well. In fact, there was one of those leaders who's named who's man, a man named Saul. He was smart. He was well-educated. He was passionate. He's the kind of guy that you would want on your team if you were going to a quiz bowl or if you were in an argument with someone or you were on a debate team. This guy, would, could, could, he could make the point. He was very, very smart. And he had a passion to preserve the faith that he knew. And so that sent him out to find the followers of Jesus wherever they were to bring them back in and to jail them and persecute them and sometimes even kill them. And he got permission from the leaders, the authorities in, in the temple to go to Damascus in Syria where there were followers of Jesus to round them up and to bring them back to Jerusalem. But you know what? The Holy Spirit was working because something happened on that road to Damascus. Jesus got Saul's attention knocked him off his horse and blinded him with a powerful light. So over in chapter 9, verse 4, we hear 
that, that Saul, he fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you making this so hard? And it was Jesus' voice, and it got Saul's attention. Flannery O'Connor, a famous writer, once commented, I reckon the Lord knew that the only way to make a Christian out of that one was to knock him off his horse. Knock him off his horse. And you know what? It worked. It worked. Because of that encounter, that dramatic encounter with Jesus, which Saul needed, Saul's life makes a dramatic turn. He came to his senses, and after several days, he regained his sight, and he changed sides. And instead of fighting those who follow Jesus, he invited people to follow Jesus. He's just as passionate about reaching people for Jesus as he used to be about punishing them and capturing them and getting them to, to, to stop. And Saul, who would change his name to Paul, who wrote a good portion of the New Testament that we have, went out to preach to people who had never even heard of God. He would start in the temples. He would go there first and try to get them to understand what he knew. He reached out to them. And if they accepted, he was thrilled. If they didn't, he moved on. He moved on to people who had never, ever heard of God before to tell them about this Jesus and what a difference he had made in his life. And he wanted that same difference in their lives. All of these stories in the book of Acts make me think of us, make me think of South Park Church and the journey that we've been on these last several years. Do you know it's been 18 months that we've been here in the movie theater? Now, some of you will go, oh, yeah, I know it's been 18 months. <laughs> and some of you will go, wow, it doesn't seem like 18 months. 18 months we've been setting up and taking down and, and worshiping in this space. What have we learned in the over a year and a half that we've been worshiping here at Regal Cinemas. We don't have a church building anymore. We're basically homeless. And we are still the church. We are still the church. It's been challenging. It's been a lot of work. But I have to tell you, I believe we're a better church for what we have been through. I believe that we needed this time, this time away from the comfort of a building to be able to be transformed in the people, into the people that God needs us to be to be able to reach this South Park community around us. I believe that we have grown. I believe that we have stretched. And I believe we have more growing and stretching to do to be able to be who God really wants us to be and to be effective in this community. And this is a part of that process. Before I came to work here at this church, I worked at an agency in town called Catholic Social Services. Um, I was a counselor. It was the first, first counseling job that I had had. And when I was hired, I was hired three days a week. I had Ryan as a toddler. And a three-day-a-week job sounded perfect. I could spend time with him. I could, I could still do some work. And they hired me. They gave me this wonderful office big office, windows on two sides, plenty of walls, hung up my diplomas, hung up the certificates, and started to see people and to get comfortable with being, being a counselor, learning what that was all about, meeting people and helping them figure things out for themselves. And that, that went on for a couple of years, and then I got pregnant with Aaron, and I took a maternity leave. And when I came back after that maternity leave, I discovered that they had hired someone five days a week. And because she was five days a week, she got my office. And I didn't have an office. There was no extra office for me to be able to work out of. 
And that was, a, that was a hard thing for me to hear. That was my office. That was where I did counseling. That was where I was my best. And you're going to take all of that away from me? What I ended up doing was we had a lot of part-time staff, and I would go to one person's office who was off on Tuesday, and I go to a different person who was off on Thursday, and I go to a different person who was off, off on Friday. So I had none of my stuff up, none of my diplomas, none of my pictures, nothing that was mine. I carried a little portable folio with me everywhere I went. And that was a hard season in my life. That was, I, I, I resented that for a little while. But I grew tremendously in the process of doing that because I learned, what I learned was who I was as a counselor didn't rest in the building that I was in, in that room that I was in. I took it with me everywhere I went. It was inside of me. And I could go anywhere and do that. And that's what I hope that we are learning as a church, that it's not about the building that we're in. That we have to let that go and we have to be the church. We have to be the church. My so what for you this morning is we don't come to church. We are the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. And we're still making a difference in places like Haiti where we have helped provide clean water in rural villages and there's more to come. And we're still making a difference in Asheville at Haywood Community Church. We're making a difference in Winston-Salem at New Story Church. We're making a difference here in Charlotte at Pinewood Elementary School, where many of you go and volunteer and make a difference there. And at Bethlehem Center and the Refugee Center and the Men's Shelter, where we serve meals once a month. We're still making a difference to the people who come and join us for worship here and decide this is where they want to stay and hear the word and where they want to join a small group and go deeper and learn more about who God is, and what God has in store for them in their lives. We gather here to be renewed, to be filled, to worship, to praise God, to be with others who are also longing to go deeper and to grow closer to God. But we can't stay here. When we build the new building, we can't stay there. We're called to go out. We need to capture the excitement and the enthusiasm and the fire, the energy of that early church. We are the church. Each one of you makes up the body of Christ, the church we call South Park Church. And how are you being the church outside the hour that you come to worship on Sunday morning or the hour that you spend in your adult class or in your small group each week? How are you being the church beyond that time frame? We are the church. How are you living that out at work or in your neighborhood or in your school or in your community? When you go grocery shopping, how do you treat the people that you, that you interact with there? Are you compassionate? Are you patient? Do you try to get them to know them a little bit? Are you respectful of them? Do you get to know them and share a little bit about you? Is there any kind of exchange that you have with them? We have a member who's made that kind of connection with the folks here. She shops at the Harris Teeter, the Taj Teeter, the Harris Teeter that's on the corner of Sharon and Morrison. And over her life, she has made a point of connecting with the people who work there. They know her. She knows about them. Even at Christmas time, she will share gift cards with them because she knows things are tight. That's not the, most, the highest paying job in the city of Charlotte. But she has connected with them. She is being the church where she is. Maybe you eat frequently at the same restaurant in the area. Um, hopefully you get to know 
the servers, you get to know the waiters that wait on you, the hostess that seats you, and you make that connection. You share what's going on with you, and you find out a little bit about what's going on with them. And you care about them. If they need something, you're there for them to support them. Uh, that's when we truly are the church. This past spring in May, I met with the new manager at Upstream. We've been trying to establish a partnership with them. We had a brunch together, uh, ate there back in September, and they, they donated a portion of the proceeds to Pinewood for our backpack program. They, they want to give back to the community. And as I met with Tripp, we were talking about the numbers. We were talking about the percentages and how we would work it out, and it was the finance piece of it. And the one thing that we had talked about as a staff was that we wanted it to be more than just what we can do for them financially and what they can do for us financially. And so I said to him, you know, we would really like to, it, 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 are there, do you have needs on the staff? Are there people we can pray for? Is there a way that we can connect in, in a different way? And he said, well, you have to understand, first of all, that you're coming here to eat with us does help us because these people need income. And when you come and eat, it helps them have you know, hours and, and the tips help them with their thing. But he said, I wish I had known, I so wish I had known about this church when we went through a, a, an event in the, in the holiday season, it was right after Christmas before New Year, one of their employees, I think, lost to significant others. I, I think it was a drug-related death, and it was just a really hard time in that person's life. And we missed an opportunity to be able to be the church for them, to provide them pastoral care, to give them a Stephen minister to help them walk through that dark time in their lives. That's when we are the church. That's how you can be the church when you're out and about and doing things. You're the church when you're at Pinewood Elementary School and you're shelving books or you're working with a student or you're helping a teacher. You're faithful, you're dependable. You're the face of the church and you're giving yourself the opportunity to open that door to share about who you are in relationship with Jesus Christ and what Jesus means to you. It's in relationship that we do our best evangelism and share him with other people. I heard from a member this week who had an experience of going to an appointment, and when she came out of her appointment, her car wouldn't start. And she kind of hoped that maybe someone around there would help her jumpstart it, and nobody offered. So she called the um, roadside service that she uses, and she was waiting for them to come. And a man came back and, and had been there earlier and seen her but hadn't done anything. And when he came back the second time and time had passed, he said, you're still here and nobody's helped you. Let, let me help you. And in the process of him jumping off her car, she saw something in his car, something hanging from the rearview mirror, something that signaled to her that he was a person of faith. And so she asked him, where do you go to church? You know, I see this. Where do you go to church? And they struck up a conversation. Well, he used to go to church. He doesn't go to church anymore. And he was kind of sheepish about that. And so she told him about her church and invited him to come and join us here for worship. Just in that little window of opportunity, she was the church. I've got something that I want you to know. I want to share that with you. Let me offer that to you. We can't wait for people to come here. We have to go out and tell people about Jesus. We don't come to church. We are the church. We don't come to church. That's our so what for this week. We don't come to church. We are the church. So how are you doing that? How are you making that a reality in your life? And how will you do that this week? What will you do differently this week? to be the church outside the walls here, to represent Jesus Christ in the world. How will you do that? How will you do that? I invite you to go and be the church. Let us pray. 
Gracious and merciful God, we thank you for the privilege it is to be your followers, to be children of the Most High God. And so we just ask you to give us the power that you gave those first disciples. Fill us with your spirit. Send us out to be your people in the world and open those doors. Show us ways that we can be your church in the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.